Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling NOAA. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Everybody, welcome to the Super Jacobs. I'm Joel, joined by Daniel McDonald. It is Sunday, the 30th of July, 2023. This is episode 268, a momentous one, a historic one. It'll be my last record, hopefully, my last recording from Thailand for a while before I make the move back to the UK. So, maybe a bit of scheduling jankiness to work out. So, we appreciate your patience in the interim, but. Uh, there we go. Exciting times for the Abraham family. It sure is. I'm excited for you. It's uh, it's it's been a long time coming, and it, lots of uh, lots of roadblocks along the way for Joel and the family. But um, it is done, and uh, he's coming home. Let's put it that way. He's he's coming home, and uh, I couldn't be more excited for him. So. Should be a nice little change, you, the family, and uh, yeah, it should be. It should be good. I'm, I'm very happy for you. I mean, this podcast has been what what an adventure during the time of this podcast for for you and your life. It is a it's a, it's amazing that when, the first time you know episode one and every like two kids. And uh, living in a hotel and pandemics and uh, and then moving away. Uh, just, it's crazy. I'm telling you, you should write the book. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. And I sometimes think, I can't believe we're still going with this thing. We, <laughs> we made it through Summer Struggle 2021. That was, I think, by the time we got through the weeds on that, I was like, well... We've hit rock bottom as far as YouTube fan for wrestling coverage goes. Um, there was never any danger of me stopping doing it just because I had nothing else to do at the time anyway. I was stuck in a hotel, so it wasn't like I had a ton of other stuff to be doing with my free time. So it worked out pretty well in the end. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's I, I listen. I wouldn't more. I wouldn't wish what you went through. My worst enemy. Um, no, no, it was good. Like, think of all the extra time I got to spend with my family that I otherwise wouldn't have done, you know, True. had we made it back. I mean, new, new listeners may not know this. If you listen, if you join the last couple of years, I wasn't supposed to be in Thailand. We came over to sort of give birth to my daughter and then we're not allowed to return to China because the government closed the borders. So stuck in a hotel for a year and a half, but that was very, very lucky for me because I was able to continue working remotely and spend a load of time with the family that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to do. Spent a lot of extra time with Esther. That's why, 
Um, she's <laughs> uh, what's what's going to be the polite way of saying this? Um, extra, <laughs> extra, yeah. She likes bacon. She's oh, just in now. That's why. Oh, I love bacon. We're right up our alley. And salmon roe. She likes salmon roe. You know what she started saying to me? What's that? Um, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> what? Did you hear that? No, I heard what was the first thing? You... I like lettuce and garlic. I think she said. <laughs> right. So a couple of weeks ago, I was just watch, just watching the G One show. She likes salmon. Oh. Um, so I was watching the G One show, and then she comes over. She sits next to me. She's looking at my laptop. She's like, "Daddy, what are you doing?" I was like, "I'm watching wrestling." Uh-huh. And she points to the wrestlers on the screen. She's like, "What's this?" I said, like, "Oh, that's Yoshihashi." And then she just stored that away in her memory somewhere. And now, just from time to time, completely random, like we're, we're on the train going going somewhere together. She just turns to me. She goes, "Daddy, I like Yoshihashi." <laughs> so. Oh, Groove would have to take over from me on the podcast at some point in the future. I like to go on airplane. Go on airplane, she said? Yeah, she's excited to go on the airplane. Ah, I'm excited for her. I love you too. Yeah, we love you, Esther. The listeners love you too. Oh, hello, everyone. listeners. Hello, freaks. Hello, listeners. Hello, freaks. Right, you need to go to sleep now. You close your little eyes and go to sleep. Oh. What a ride. So adorable, dude. Unbelievable. Um, look at you. Look at you. You're living the life. All right. Well, listen. Started I... off with the cat running, didn't it? Scampy and Katy running in and meowing and yeah. ruining stuff. And now it's the, the human bird. So <laughs> it's unbelievable. I'm so happy for you. Uh, I haven't left my house in two weeks. <laughs> oh, yeah? How, what, why? What's, what's I just there? really fucking uh, depressed. I don't know. Not to bring the mood down, but yeah, I've been really fucking. I don't know. I don't know. It just comes and goes. Comes and goes, y'all. So I just, I, I literally haven't left <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's funny. Has there, has there been any sort of changes in your circumstances um, that would have precipitated this, or is just? Uh, uh, I, I mean, maybe, but I mean, I, not a lot I can do about it. Well, there is plenty I can do about it. And I am doing about it, um, but it, yeah, I mean, uh, it's not weird. It's not well. No, let me take that back. It, that the actual two weeks is weird. I, I get it, but uh, it's not weird for me in the sense of it comes every once in a while. Every once in a while, it, it rears its head, and then oh, uh, <laughs> you kind of just fucking exist. Um, but anywho, not not to bring the fucking mood down. I, I some, certainly wasn't my intent. It was meant as a side. Joke. Right. I, I I think it's important to have these conversations to normalize stuff like this because I, I, I don't think enough people talk about I things like this. Grapes. Yeah, Alistair loves grapes. So yeah, what did you like? Blueberries. Grapes and blueberries. Oh, I don't really like a blueberry. Do you like blueberries? Blackberry. The standalone fruit. No. Um, <laughs> No, in a muffin, yes. Yeah. Raspberry. Yeah, I don't really like them. Raspberry. Esther's just hijacked the conversation. I know. I'm. I'm very interested in what she likes. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Esther, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? I like chocolate. Ah, it's a good one. It's good. Yeah. Oh wow. I, I tell you what. 
Let's just do this. <laughs> Two hours of pumping her with questions. Right, I'm going to ignore her Aww. and try and plow through her, and hopefully right. she'll go to sleep soon. Um, let's start with oh my god, um, a question from Liam. He says, "What is the lamest thing you've done as a wrestling fan, uh, apart from starting a podcast?" Oh, I was about to say sitting here. <laughs> um, but here's the thing, though. Uh, we were kind of like when we started, it didn't seem like it was a flood of podcasts, right? It really didn't. Now it just seems like, oh my god, everybody's got a fucking podcast. Um, so I kind of think we were—I don't want to say we were on the ground floor or anything, but like, I, you know, I just think we were there before the boom. I hope. Um, weirdest thing I ever did as a pro wrestling fan. Um, probably a lot. I all right, I'll give you one. So, me and my friends at the time, and I was in like grade seven or yeah probably around there probably like seventh grade uh, we had a invitational battle royal in my backyard and you had to pay 20 bucks to get in <laughs> and uh, just like battle royal rules Joel, you have to push them over the top rope we didn't have a top rope i had a fence so you had a pick up a person and throw them over the fence to the other side, right? So come to find out in a shoot battle royal, it's a lot harder than a pro wrestling battle royal, Joel. Uh, people don't want to go over the top rope when they have to pay $20. So it went on for whew, before anybody was eliminated, mind you, at least a half an hour, at least a half an hour. So we finally said, okay, we're going to change the rules. You can pin somebody or throw them over the top rope. Um, and there's this big kid, Brett. Brett was was a fucking brick wall. Like, he was just huge. And so we, Andre the Giant, did it him, where everybody that was in went after him to get him out first. And we got him out. We actually got him out. And then me and my friend who I called Ace, by the way, for Cowboy Bob Orton Ace. <laughs> and we uh, wound up winning because we cheated the whole time by pinning people. Like, So I would get on top of somebody, and then he would get on my back, and we would hold him down, and then we won. And everybody was mad because we won that way, and we split the money. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, a, that's not lame at all. That's, that's one of the coolest things I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I also we also did like um, so each of our friends like so, so we had six guys right, and we would have territories. So we were kind of like the old school NWA right, where world class was a part of the NWA and you know uh, Florida and Georgia and everybody else. So we would have that, and then we would have a draft right, and then we would have our promotion and we would book it, and then we would have meetings <laughs> weekly gatherings to go over our booking plans and everything and we had a world champion that we had a uh, that was like okay i need i need this world champion for uh these dates <laughs> like it was actually a thing my my promotion name uh which has since been taken by the way 
uh, was Pro Wrestling Revolution. That was my uh, that was my promotion. We, we wrote it in notebooks and everything. <laughs> All right. So, what what kind of concessions did you have to make if you wanted to book the champion for? Yeah. So um, there was a fee. There was a finder's fee. Like, like a, you had to pay the NWA board, right? Uh, so it was like five bucks, right? Um, and they just needed to make sure that they were open dates. Um, now everybody had to agree b- upon the fact that. Uh, this was our world champion, and if there was going to be a title change, it had to be unanimous amongst all the promotions. Um, but yeah, that was really it. That was uh, you just had to go through the booking office, quote unquote, and then uh, request the dates and pay the money. So, if anyone from New Japan is listening, if <laughs> if Ghetto wants to hang it up, then. <laughs> Damon's got experience. You know? You know your way around the booking committee. I think I still have one of the notebooks, too. I think I do. Oh, oh we've got to see this. <laughs> we, we need some photos or scans of that. I'll put that one on the Patreon. Uh, I might still... Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm almost positive I still do. I'm almost positive I still do. Like in a, like in a bin in the basement. Yeah, I think so. I might have to dust that off and see 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 who my roster was and who my champion. Was. I think I think Adrian Adonis was the world champion at the time. Yeah, not you know the the good Adrian Adonis, you know the you know the Dick Murdoch and Adrian Adonis. Adrian Adonis, I think he was the world champion, if I'm not mistaken. All right. Oh, well, we're absolutely going to need to follow up on this. So you you find that notebook. <laughs> okay. For us. All right. We'll have a special yeah, edition we'll of the Jake. Yeah. All right. All right. Thirteen minutes in, we haven't said the word G one yet. <laughs> uh, we've got a few little news tippets actually, oh. which I, I'm going to lump in together just for <laughs> the way that uh, New Japan are treating their foreign fans, oh. their US fans. First one. We got the Team NJPW International pre-sale tickets, uh, which are being available for Wrestle Kingdom. You know those those royal seats, the ones that are not quite at the front row, but mm-hmm. I think the international fans have access to ones like a few rows back from that. About a hundred dollars more expensive than what they're charging Japanese fans. And then also your thoughts on the Philly Cheesesteak Cup three-way ladder match Fuck that has been announced for the show. That <laughs> oh. Shit. <laughs> Who? in their right fucking mind, thought that was a good idea. I mean, just, can can we just have a New Japan show? That's, that's really what people want. Not, I mean, I just, uh, it, it, it's, I, 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 I'm, I was, when I saw that, I was speechless. And I don't know why I give a fuck. Yeah, okay, here's why I give a fuck. Yeah, can, can I just tell for, yeah. for listeners who are unaware, this is a three-way tag ladder match where one team is Hiromu and Rocky Romero, another <laughs> team is Doki and Lowrider, and I don't know who that is, and I don't care to find out, and the other team is Master Watto and Blake Christian. So I mean, forget, <laughs> you know, the factions and storylines. It's just absolute random selects nonsense. Philly Cheese State Cup, what is oh, that? I don't know. I don't know. I, it just seems like so, like... Come like low denial. I just like, oh, really? The Philly cheesesteak cup. Let me guess. You're going to play Rocky music when you come in. Stop it. Oh, my God. I, I don't even like a Philly cheesesteak. I think they're overrated. 
well, you're wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> that's <all right>. yeah. <laughs> you haven't had a good one. I just haven't had a good one. Yeah, yeah. you haven't had a good one. Um, I just, I don't know, man. Like, this promotion sometimes, I, I, I just want to grab them by the head. <laughs> Bite them in the forehead. Because uh, I, 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 a lot of us were expecting, like, Hiromu to have another title defense. You know, maybe defending wow, against yeah. Mike Bailey. Uh-huh. Or anyone. He's, you know, he's defending that. The fucker left, right, and center in other promotions. So I think it was a reasonable assumption that he would be defending it on this All Star Junior Festival. But I can imagine him walking into the booking office going, nope, no, I've got a much better idea. <laughs> I mean, like, and here's the thing, too, though. It's like, okay, not to say that they're going to have an easy time when they come over, right? Because they, they have good matches, they can ha- and they can have good matches. Um, so it's not like it's a night off, per se. I mean, it doesn't have to be, but it, it like it seems like unnecessary violence for violence sake. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why a ladder match? Why are we doing a ladder match? Like, what's the point? Just to do it? I, I just like <laughs> like, I, I, and I don't wish this. Understand? I do not wish this at all. But imagine if somebody gets fucking hurt. Taking a dumb bump on a dumb ladder in front of fucking a thousand people. Not even a thousand people, let's be honest here. Eight hundred people. Are are you out of your minds? What are you doing? What what are you doing? I and it, and again, it's just random hodgepodge people. What happened to the idea? I thought this was supposed to be a tournament. Am I am I am, am I wrong? Um, am I misled? No, it was the, I mean the Japanese version wasn't it? tournament it was just sort of a showcase there was a lot of multi-man tag matches and i think yeah the main event was uh wato versus one of the aoyagis asuki Ayagi, i want to say i'm gonna get yelled at by the all japan fans but um yeah all three yeah, of them. it wasn't the tournament but they, they did. <laughs> liam shaking his fist uh but yeah there wasn't any of this nonsense this is just like fever dream the sort of stuff you wake up and on the next podcast you'd be like oh my god I had the craziest dream that they booked a three-way Philly cheesesteak ladder match and all, all the factions were messed up and Robin was tagging with Rocky. <laughs> that's absolute nonsense. You need to lay off the crack, my friend. Yes. But that's actually happening. And, and you, you feel they're killing Philly? Is oh, Philly dead? Philly's, I mean, come on. It's 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 really... It, like, there is no one that's like... <laughs> one, the ticket... Imagine spending $300... For front row, I know, I know I harp on it, but, but it's a, just a preposterous number. And again, we don't know the cards. We don't know, and 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 I guess this is the the broader brush point. I absolutely fucking hate, and it's been this way for a while. So I don't know why I'm now complaining about it, but I've been complaining about it before. The idea of Tickets going on sale, they got their money, and they just, you don't know what the card is, you don't even know who the fuck's on the show, and they make these special announcements, and you're just like, what? What? What am I seeing? Like, like if people had a choice, and knew the card, and I'm, and I'm again, I'm not saying ahead of time, but at least a little bit ahead of time, right? It, you know, just... I, I would be really fucking angry if I paid $300 and that was the show. 
And I know people are complaining about uh, the Wembley show. Like, they're like, I, what? What's happening here? I'm seriously considering cancelling my trip to London because it's like the, the three matches I've heard book for that, are like Tony Khan's done it deliberately to annoy me. What are, I don't even know what they are, to be honest with you, but I know there's... Okay, so this is what, what we've got rumoured so far. Um, John Moxley versus Orange Cassidy, Will Ospreay versus Chris Jericho, and MJF versus Adam Cole. Oh my God, dude. Can kill me. I will, I will jump off the <laughs> top of Wembley, <laughs> Wembley Arch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you and Bob Gildorf. Oh my God. Wow. That's disappointing. And how much were those tickets? They were probably pretty expensive, right? Uh, I think they were well for this shit. Yes, <laughs> expensive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know how you solve this though. Like, I don't know how you solve the this this uh pro wrestling way of okay, buy a ticket and trust us, we're going to put on a good show. And fingers crossed, it is a good show or something that would appeal to you. Imagine being like, okay, uh oh, there's a concert. On uh, December 1st, but you don't know who it is, <laughs> right? And you don't know, if, even if, you, if it's a genre of music that you like, you have no idea. You have no idea. And you just, you, like three weeks before the show, or it's, oh, okay, it's, um, I don't know, fucking, I'm trying to think of somebody current. I don't I have no idea. It's Beyonce. Okay, great. Or uh, you show up and it's like, oh, it's fucking, Country music sue. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's a terrible analogy. But uh, you get my point. I, I, I don't know how to solve that. But it just seems like I'd rather have a card announced and, and all set. And then you get the old su- cars subject to change, you know, and travel problems or whatever. And it doesn't happen. Like, I can understand that. I can appreciate that a ton more. Then buy tickets for this event. Wait for an announcement. We don't even know who's going to be there. It's just the brand. And this is, and here's the thing too. I don't think anyone, even if it was, okay, New Japan Pro Wrestling is coming to town, would expect that. Like, it's just, it just, I don't know. It just feels so inauthentic <laughs> you know it doesn't there's I, d- that that does not feel like a new japan pro wrestling show i'm sorry it doesn't it feels like a show to cater to the lowest common denominator wrestling fan that's what it really feels like yeah they always do this on the u.s shows don't they? they'll crowbar in some sort of gimmick match at least one oh that not, stinks yeah. invariably stinks yep. and then we're like what, why are they doing this a philly Who's street fight there's no. We're in the ECW arena, Joel. So there has to be a Philly street fight. <laughs> Fucking Christ! I hate wrestling so much. <laughs> All right, the Great One climax. <laughs> mm. I don't know. Uh, well, yeah. Let's let's crack on with it. Uh, yeah. Matthew says I'm loving the four block twenty minute format, but there's still a lot of mid floating around. What's the answer? Better entrance, blocks of six maybe. There's a lot of two-time speed matches this week. I, I'm sort of torn on the format because I do actually like having the four blocks of eight and the quarterfinals. There's a lot of uncertainty there. Like when you're in the two blocks of ten, 
you could look straight at the schedule for the final block night and think, okay, right, it's going to come down to these four guys and everything else doesn't count. And then you just, you end up in the doldrums as you get towards the back end of the tournament where you know what the destination is and it feels like you're just sort of treading water until you get there. But I, I genuinely think having this block set up makes it more exciting. I'm enjoying the 20-minute thing. I'm enjoying all the time with Jaws. I think that's good. But I don't trust New Japan to stack that 32-man field appropriately. There's just too many guys, which we will get to, that I sh- should not be anywhere near that. And I don't think it's a question of depth. You could have easily taken out you know, the bottom five performers in this tournament and replaced them with much better quality performers that they had at their disposal from strong. You know, you could take five of the guys that were at the Independence Day shows who are not doing anything that, that could have filled in the spots much better. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's a question of talent and being ruthless rather than the format itself. Yeah. There's a lot of people that unfortunately, I don't want to say bring down the quality of the G1 because I don't think it's been bad, but I, I, I just, like, I don't know. It doesn't feel Could as be better. Should be better. Yep. Yes, one, and it just doesn't feel special having guys in there that you know damn well shouldn't be in there. Um, again, throughout the history of G1, have there been people that you're like left scratching your head? I think somebody in our Discord uh, brought up like a name like Jim Neidhart. <laughs> you know, if you go back in the history and look and and see some of these people, you're just like, what the fuck? Um. So yeah, I mean it it does happen. The I don't know, like it 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 feels it feels watered down. I guess I guess it feels diluted. I guess it feels that you could easily skip a day and not miss a beat, right? And I and I hate that. I don't like that. I I, I wish it were special. I wish it were. I wish it felt special. Like I don't know. And and I and here's the thing too, Joel. And I I know there's other circumstances that might impact that, but you know, crowds. And 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 gates are low, and it just feels like something is not right. And the only thing I can kind of come back to is the fact that a it does seem watered down, and b like it feels like they're trying to cash grab, like it feels like they're just trying to extend this and stretch this out as much as they can to find a way to make money off of it. Like you're not giving up. I mean, the tour is, it's the same length as it was. If it was two blocks of 10, they haven't extended the tour. Right. But they're putting these people in these events that shouldn't be in these events. Right. Like Mm -hmm. the idea of 32 guys and, and like four blocks and, like, I don't know. It just feels like we're just shoehorning in people for the sake of shoehorning in people. It makes no sense. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, if you were given the decision, then would you go back to the two blocks of 10 for next year? Yeah, I would. And and I and I get and I get your thought process of, well, you know, 
you kind of can predict as it goes. I I think people care about G1 for two reasons. People care about G1, obviously the winner, right? We want to know who wins. We want to know who's who they're leaning on for a Wrestle Kingdom main event, right? And two, quality matches, right? Is there? Do you really think anybody cares, like really cares about anything else aside from those two factors in G1? No, those are the prime things, aren't they? You know, I could make all the arguments I want about sort of the unpredictability and, you know, not knowing who's going through and having all these fun permutations. But if you end up having to sit through Tangaloa versus Kenta, then all those arguments are rendered right. null and void. Right. No, no, no doubt. Right. So it's like, okay, like there's, it feels like there's more stuff that lands in that gentleman's three area than anything else. And then you do have your moments where you're like, oh, fuck, that was a, that was a really good match. Okay. And then you have moments where it's like, mm, this really sucked. <laughs> this really blew. Um, and I just, I don't know. I just, while it's always kind of been there, it, I just haven't felt it as much as I have during this tournament. Yeah, I'm finding myself really interested and excited about A Block and then everything else kind of take it or leave it really particularly these c and d block shows they've they've not been bad but they've just been absolutely forgettable yeah and it shouldn't be like that no they shouldn't you would think and and by having those blocks right there's those four blocks you would think you would have more opportunity for great matches and and memorable moments and you know stuff that people at least are talking about joe Aside from our our Discord, and it's not like you're going out there chatting New Japan Pro Wrestling outside of that. Is there any buzz at all about G1? Not really, man. I mean, it, again, we'll come on to it, but the big match that I think everyone was circling in their calendar was the Okada Osprey match. And that came and went, and everyone was like, eh, that was pretty good, and that was that. Yeah. And I think the buzz will increase as we get to the knockouts, it is a tournament that is backloaded for sure. So we are in the the doldrums of the tournament at the moment, I would say. Um, so maybe not a good time to be giving balanced analysis of it. But um, we we can't lie. You know, this is my honest perception of how it's going so far. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm in the same boat. Unfortunately, I'm in the same boat. Um, it's been again. Not, you know what though? It hasn't even been like how we usually talk about the meat grinder and and the and the and the grind of G one and even watching the G you know G one. And I think that had a lot to do with you know the mixed tag matches or not the mixed tag the the multi man tag matches um leading up to the next show you know because they'd be wrestling each other and all that stuff um. It's just, it, I like, it just seems very mid, as the kids would say. And I don't know. Maybe, maybe I liked it before. Maybe I didn't know what I got until it's gone. Um, I don't know. I just, uh, I, you would think they would have more opportunities for great matches, but 
it really hasn't been there. There have been great matches, but I mean, has there been great matches or have there been very good matches? Because I don't know, even know if. Uh, good. There have been memorable matches, matches that have really excited me, mm-hmm. that I've enjoyed a lot. But are they going to be match of the year candidates come the end of 2023? I don't think so. Again, I, I think the best is yet to come. Right. Once we get to the semi quarterfinals, semifinals, finals, then we're going to see the real good stuff, you know, your, your stars matches. So my favorite match of the tournament is not a stars match. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment, but I don't think there's been anything that's, there's not been that match that's united the fans and everyone saying this is a consensus match of the year candidate. Right. 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 And, 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 and Okada Osprey should have been that. We'll come on to that, but okay. I think that. They, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you're right. It's, it's not fair to say, that the entire G1 is, you know, that, th- that mid-level, but, you know, because, you know, the, the, the meat and the potatoes are yet to come, but, um, you know, if I'm judging the meal so far, you know, I've had a bland salad and, uh, <laughs> lukewarm water <laughs> and, uh, a weak drink and, uh, some freeze-dried shrimp for, as an appetizer. So far, it hasn't been that great. Sounds like, sounds like my airplane meal on Thursday. <laughs> exactly what you'll be dining on. All right, so let's get into it, shall we? Yeah, and I think how I think we did it justice last night because I think the most interesting talking points are in A block, and there's a few in B block, C and D. There's just there's not really that much interesting to say about it, and I think it's a little bit too early to be doing prognostications about block winners and stuff. We're hoping to record again on Thursday which will be right before the block final. So then, you know, we can sort of get into the meat of actually looking, okay, you know, what are the permutations for the final night? Who's likely to be going through? So, I, again, I'll say for A block, I think it is worth going wrestler by wrestler. Some guys will have a lot to say about maybe some less so. But uh, top of the block, we have Sanada, who is already qualified. He's already won the block with two matches left. So he's got 10 points. So since we last spoke, he's had wins over Keito Kiyomiya. Not Kaito, I've said it wrong. Kaito Kiyomiya and Ren Narita. Kaito match was really good. The Ren match was not. Um, again, we will come. We will talk about Ren Narita, but they they lost it. Like they really, it, it fell apart quite badly. I thought towards the end, and some of that, well, a lot of that was Ren. I think it was mostly Ren to be honest. But some of that's on Sonata as well. And I said at the start of this tournament that Sonata has been put in a block with all these younger wrestlers and I'm not saying they're rookies because a lot of them have got a hell of a lot of experience but he is the older guy there he's supposed to be the statesman there to ostensibly guide these younger wrestlers and sort of help them out and um, stop things like this from happening and the red match fell apart quite badly and I think a better wrestler than Sanada would not have allowed that to happen so that is something that I you know raised my eyebrow and thought this is not becoming of champion of New Japan Pro Wrestling and I don't want to turn this into another litigation about is he over blah 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 listen to the crowd reaction how much noise they're making because that's that's of no interest to me but I thought his performance in that match was poor yeah and and again anybody can have an off night but this is a person that historically we've always kind of pointed a finger at and like okay you know what what are we doing how why 
you're, you're you have this many years experience and we're we're at this level <laughs> and yeah if you got the big boy belt i i would think expectations are if you are in the ring you should be able to be the traffic controlman and and make sure things do not go astray um and calm it down and and grab a fucking hold or something but yeah i mean i, I don't know i i yeah I, that one left me shaking my head and, and again and again two points for for Renarita um what does he got next he's got chase right and uh Kimia. i mean i hope something I, I said before that he I, I he was on my radar of a guy that, you know, this is it. This is the time to shine. This is the time to go. And I and I know the the idea of it being his first G one and he's going to struggle and blah blah blah. Okay, there's other people that aren't. <laughs> and I don't know. To me, are we are we hitting the fraud watch klaxon. Has this been a fraudulent performance from Rin? <sighs> I'm not going fraud. I'm not putting anybody younger than X, you know, uh, in fraud, right? It's too... Okay, Let, can I reframe it? Then? Yes. Um, this is a guy who was labeled one of the musketeers. We've had a long conversation about that, but I would say once you're labeled as a musketeer, then your trajectory at some point should be future world champion. Now, he's 25, time is on his side. Do you see Ren Narita as a future IWGP champion? Right now, no. Right now, I don't see it. Like, there would have to be some decent growth in the next year that Agreed. would, that you know, that would sway me. But right now, uh, right now, he's, it looks like he's having trouble putting it all together. Yes. I, I, there's some interesting sort of storyline stuff with him being the only musketeer not to get his first win and, you know, whether or not that's going to pay off at the end. A lot of people speculating that he is going to spoil Kiyomiya. But I just think in terms of the technical aspects of his performance, like falling over during critical moments during the match and his kicks in particular are really bad. Like he is whiffing on those. There is, you know, clear daylight between him and his opponent. And when you are calling yourself or are being called the son of strong style and having all those Shibata comparisons... That is not acceptable. Yeah, you got to lay it. Got to do better than that. Yeah, got to lay them in. It's just, it's, and, you know, I was just gonna say it could be a confidence thing. You know, maybe he's seeing all these guys in his block outperforming him and eating his lunch, and he's panicking. Uh, and again, that is a reaction that would alarm me because that's the sort of thing that should light a fire under you and think, right, you know, I'm going to work twice as hard now and show that I belong here. So we'll wait and see. He's got. Chase Owens in his next match. I'm not holding my breath for anything brilliant there. But that uh, Kaito match on the last night for his block, that's make or break for me. If he fails to deliver in that one, then yeah, questions. Yeah. I mean, it's set up for him to have a great match, right? He's in the ring with a guy who you know doesn't have a problem taking some stiff kicks in safe places, right? There's... No doubt about that. So if he's going to lay them in, there's 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 a good start. Um, and the idea of him playing spoiler 
and the idea of him getting a win and the idea of him, you know, in a big spotlight. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to, I don't, this is a big spot. That's a big, that's a big spot. Like he's got to put it together for that match. Cause that'll give me, honestly, that would give me confidence at least to say, okay, there's, there's something here. Like, like if he shits the bed in this match, we're in trouble. We're in trouble with Ren because, uh, here's the thing. We're not in trouble, but, but we know what we got and it's not what we thought we had. Right. Can that change? Sure. Absolutely. Can that get better? A thousand percent. But as we stand right now, you're on thin ice. He has to be on thin ice, right? Like, like he has to have people looking at his matches and being like, okay, we need to keep an eye on him because I don't know if this is going in the right direction. Yeah, correct. I was talking to Manabu about this and, uh, again, I should be very clear about this. This he he's told me some stuff that he has seen other Japanese fans commenting on. And um, he is, is he speaking for all Japanese saying, fans? <laughs> he, he was very clear to point out this is not consensus. He has just heard these things and seen these things being said about yeah. The so the island of Japan <laughs> says <laughs> what um, he speaks for the the good people for the uh, Nihonjin. Yeah. Uh, no, we, we are not doing that, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, let me find exactly what he says because it, I mean it's the same stuff. We're watching the same products, but um, the consensus no, no, not consensus. You said the consensus. No, no, I take I, I misspoke there. So things like his his cobra twist, people are not digging that. They think that's bad. They think his kicks are not effective. His interviews are thoughtless. Um, People are saying that he, maybe he shouldn't spoil Kiyomiya at this rate. Maybe if that was the plan, maybe they should call an audible on that. But um, yeah, again, this is I, I'm not giving you data here. This is not me saying a certain proportion of fans are saying this. This is just stuff that has been said. And, and yeah, the people in our Discord are saying the same thing. I just got a breaking news flash from CNN. Japan declares war on Ren <laughs> 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 wow. It's amazing. The whole country. All right. Well, look, eh, what are you going to do? dude? He's he, he, I, it's 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 an obvious thing at this point. And it's got to change. It's got to change. Got to change. OK. Now, if I were to say to you before G1, before a lot of this and of all the musketeers and uh, young lions transitioning, would you have pigeonholed him in that I'm going to have struggles out of the gate? No, because he was so good on strong. And he was so good at the back end of last year in the TV title tournament. He's he's regressed. Like he's got noticeably worse, I feel. Okay. So, so in your humble opinion, what, 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 what I mean, obviously, striking ability, interviews, Okay, I mean that pretty much answers the question. I was going to ask, you know, what what needs to change? What do you need to say? And it's and it's all that. I I would agree. I would agree. It's a shame, but okay, not for nothing. We are we have a bunch of guys that are doing pretty well for themselves, and you know, if you're going to say okay, you know, odds are somebody's going to fall behind, right? Odds are 
unfortunately, it, you know, it's him and we got to step up our game. Yeah, and, and that was always going to be the case in this block. I did not at any point think that every single person in A block was going to deliver and they'd all come out looking like superstars. This was part of the, you know, the function of putting them all in the block that it sink or swim. And, you know, by contrast, some of them would sink. Um, but on the plus side, we do have a lot of guys performing absolutely tremendously. One of them, I think, is Kaito Kiyomir. He's been terrific. He's sitting on six points. So he lost to Sanada in a really exciting match that I thought sort of brought the best out of Sanada. And the Gabe Kidd match, that's my favourite match of the tournament, the one I sort of teased earlier. I thought that was just fantastic, the fire that both the guys were showing. And, and on paper, a match that starts off with a crowd brawl and ends up in a double countout, you would look at that and be thinking, oh, this is going to be crap. But just the amount of fire and passion, they just beat the crap out of each other. And, you know, Gabe, I'll come on to Gabe, but I think Kaito is really delivering here. And I said before, I've said years ago, I think on this podcast, that New Japan have been missing a guy like Kaito, you know, young, fiery, talented, technically proficient guy who's connected with the crowd, who can be the, the future ace of the company. Now, I do think New Japan has filled those gaps and I think they do have a great collection of guys coming through. Just look at this block. But all the same, I think Kaito is acquitting himself really well here. You know, whether he... I'm assuming he does go back to pro wrestling, Noah, but I think he's um, absolutely doing himself and his company a lot of favors by his performances here. Yeah. I, once again, when when we have Noah representation, it's it's always a good thing. Like it, it all it it just the just the general feeling of okay, a guy from the outside is is coming in and and the the possible matchups and um the the matches themselves are are interesting and then they always bring that element of fire and and i don't want to say danger but you know they're they're one of those guys that you know we covet right you're right like will like will osprey jesus christ um it's it's a it's a it's an element that is desperately needed in New Japan right now. Like I would, if there's any way we could keep him and maybe lose, like you know, if, you know, we if we could do the old trade, if we could trade Kenta, or, you know, or uh, I don't think they would do that. Heads up, we probably have to give him something good, like a blue chip prospect or something like that. Like I would trade like uh, Kenta and. Hmm. Ren Narita and I'll give you a three for one. I'll give you Kenta. I'll give you Ren Narita and I'll give you Great Ocon. Okay. I'll give you Great Ocon for uh, Kimia. Sold. Yeah. Love it. I think he's great. Yep. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of questions about whether or not he will make it through to the knockout stages. Um, at the start of the tournament, I would have said no. I'm still leaning towards it being Shota that goes through rather than Kaito. But to be honest, I think the, the quarterfinals will probably be better off having Kaito in it. And again, that's not a knock on Shota. I think it's been fantastic. But Kaito has been definitely one of the, the bright spots in this block for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly, I would, 
I know this is a New Japan Pro Wrestling show and and tournament and all that stuff. And hopefully at the end of the day, we're here to to help make new stars. But I would I would definitely do that. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I would definitely do that. Uh, we've got a show to Umino, who's on six points. He beat Gabe Kidd and Chase Owens. I mean, Gabe Kidd match was really good, but I think we're going to see some of his better work coming up shortly. He's got the match against Yotosuji, which I think is going to be really good, and I'll be interested in the Hikaleo match too. So I don't have a huge amount new to say about shows than I did last time. I just think he's having a really good tournament. His selling, I think, is excellent as well. Um, he's got that real baby face underdog fire. Um, and a little touch here, but the fact that when he was getting that pre-match beatdown at Korakuen from Gabe Kids, he didn't take off his silky chicken fluffy trousers. <laughs> you know, he didn't stop to do that because he was under assault and he needed to fight back with everything that he had. Got a little bloody nose there. I, I thought that was a really terrific match against Gabe Kid there. So, uh, yeah, Shota doing well. And I'd still, you know, gun to my head, I still think he will be going through to the, the knockout rounds. Yeah, I think so too. Um Give me your MVP of Block A. Uh, it's Gabe Kid. Mm-hmm. He has been bloody brilliant. He, I, he's already excellent at the heel control segments. And again, this he's young, but he's not a rookie. He's been wrestling for a long, long time. He works the crowds like a veteran. Uh, just little things like taking that lady's towel, just the, mixing up silly things like that with the vicious stuff like that. When he just put Kaito on the top rope, I just shoved him off or that top rope guillotine spot that he did. And he's a guy who I think is just a perfect foil for the three musketeers going forward. I've seen you know, people getting upset about the pre-match attacks. It's just absolute nonsense. Cause again, I think the pre-match attacks have been really good. He, he always does something crazy. In them, like, you know, doing a diving sentinel off a stage or back flipping onto a load of chairs that to me gives that part of the match value and also plays into the story because it allows his opponent to outsmart him as Ren and Kaito managed to do in their matches. My my only worry, and this, this is a good worry for Gabe Kids, that his his talent and my expectations, and I think the fandom's expectations for him, are rapidly exceeding his push. Because I don't know where he's penciled in for the remainder of 2023, but it's almost certainly going to be lower than where I would like to see him. Because mm-hmm. I think he's He's terrific. Yeah. Yeah, he's up there. He's probably he's probably right behind for me. I think Kimia is, has been just consistently awesome. Um like every everybody he's been in the ring with, I, I don't think we've had a stinker yet. But Gabe is right up there. All right. So who's been your biggest disappointment? Uh, well, there are guys, it, it's Ren. I mean, we've talked about Ren already. He's mm-hmm. a guy who I think is underperforming. I mean, guys like Chase Owens, he's, that, that's about what I expected from him. I mean, <laughs> in a way, the one good thing I'd say about Chase is that we hate him so much that had us living and dying by the, the near falls in the Yota Suji match when he got him up for that package pile drive. And we were all <laughs> terrified. We were on the edge of our seats. Uh, right. Part of that fear was for the, fu- the, the future of the, the mental health of the Discord because uh, yeah, and I'm not, not going to dig up that old grave about the absolute nonsense <laughs> that came up because of Chase Owens. But, uh, 
yeah, Chase, Chase is a guy who, you know what, he has disappointed me actually because he has every match with him. It's it's a Chase Owens match, and I think he does very little to showcase his opponent's strengths. And I think when you are ostensibly the veteran in there, the crafty veteran, part of your job should be to make your opponents look good. And I don't necessarily think he's been successful in doing that. Okay, that you know what? That's fair. I think it's a, a very fair, honest appraisal. Yes, I'm with you. I'm with you. And the crowd are fucking dead for everything that he does. That yeah. too. That doesn't help. How about Hikaleo? Ah, well, I'm glad you've asked about Hikaleo. Um, I think his previous two matches, the red match and the Suji match, were really good. The Suji match in particular might be the best match we've seen from him since yeah. the Jay White match. And I really love the Jay White match, probably more than most people. He, I think Hikaleo is a guy who's really good when he's actually allowed to do moves. Now, Chase Owens did not allow him to do any wrestling moves in his match, so he looks crap on that because he didn't do anything. But his guy, I think his strikes are really crisp. His slams are all good. He just he needs to work on his presence. He needs to work on his aura. But I thought Yota Suji was the perfect opponent for him. And Suji's a guy, you know, we've all talked about how exciting he is and his charisma and, you know, his flashy moves. But we've not seen from him his ability to make other people look good. And he was the perfect opponent for Hikolo. He was flying around the ring, you know, bouncing off the ropes and everything just came off perfectly. And he helped Hikoleo. I'm not going to say he carried him because that, that would be nonsense, but he helped Hikoleo to look like the monster that I hope and I believe that Hikoleo could be. And, you know, this is he's not the kind of monster that Bad Luck Farley is. It's, it's a different presence. He's not like this slow, lumbering monster that's going to, you know, be stepping on people and working holds and things like that. He's a guy, There's he's athletic, he's, he's quite diverse. He's, he's got a very different range of skills and, you know, maybe that's to his detriment that, you know, if he was just good at one or two things, then he would just stick to those. But the fact, I think he's good at a lot of things that I, I think, you know, maybe is meaning the matches involving him are not laid out to his strengths. But I thought the Suji match, that was the, the proof of concept. You run the match like that and you can make Hikaleo look like a monster. Just little things like him refusing to go down for the, the curb stomps and then he just grabs Suji's leg and, you know, throw upends him because he's, you know, he's had enough of that and kicking Suji in the face when Suji was going for the the spear and he's just emoting a little bit better. He's, he's seeing a little bit more of that monster in him just because of Suji was just a perfect opponent. And I guess they know each other pretty well from their time in the UK. You know, they've worked together before. They obviously like and respect each other. But that, seeing that Suji match made me more excited for Hikolo going forward and seeing he's got Kaito and Shota next, I would expect more of the same. I think he he will deliver in those ones. And I think people are starting to change their minds on him. Good. All right. Uh, I, I'm in agreement on some. Um, in the sense of, you're right. He, I, I, I feel like we're trying to do a lot more than what we need to do. Right. Um, and I don't think we have like if we just focused on two, three things to do exceptionally, as opposed to uh, you know trying a, a bit a bit of everything. And I guess you know when you're in the ring and you you might want to try different things and and 
you know, mix it up a little bit. I would prefer let's focus on being a mean monster. Do you think yes. when you see him that there is a mean bone in his body? I don't. <laughs> you know he's, what I mean? He's, he's a smooth guy. He's, he's good looking. Yeah. He's a smooth talker. But I, I, I agree with you. We need to not do the matches anymore. Like the match that Carl Anderson did with him and Chase Owens did with him where he's the baby face in peril and getting beaten down. Like, why? That's not why? doing anyone any favors. Right. I, I mean, a thousand percent. Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and yet, that's what we're doing. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, that doesn't really necessarily play to the the guy's strengths. Um, and maybe maybe he's just one of those guys. Maybe he's got that Ricky Steamboat in him, you know, where you could never turn him heel. Right? He's just not a good heel. He's just not. Uh, and I think that's maybe the biggest thing that I have. Like, a guy like that should be, to, in my mind, uh, a, a, an ultimate monster. And I'm not saying he has to be wacky and he has to shave his head and he has to go, you know, he's just, you know, Gabe Kiddish. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking for Bruiser Brody. Uh, but in the same breath, kind of looking a little, a little bit for Bruiser Brody. Um, I, t- I tell you what popped into my mind, Damon. I don't know if you've seen the Bruce Lee movie Game of Death. I've uh, heard of the it. The one with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in it. Mm. And... The way Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is presented in that film is a you know a cool, smooth dude, but then when it comes to the fight, he's just going to destroy you and beat the yeah. shit out of you. That is what I think what we should be aiming for with Hikolo. And again, I think the Suji match showed that it it can work, and they need to start presenting him like that because the crowd were reacting to it. I thought it looked like a million bucks then. I agree. I agree. But and I would go one step further, Joel, and say, um, I would prefer him being more of like Kareem Abdul Jabbar in airplane. And <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> I gotta drag Lamb beer up and down the court. Tell your dad. <laughs> no, I'm I'm a pilot. <laughs> I'm not I don't know what you're talking about, kid. All right, very good. Sorry about that. I had to get that done. All right, uh, where uh, would you like to go next? Always going to pop from airplane runs. Uh, okay, I think we're pretty much done with a block. Well, so Andrew says with Hickelo's lackluster G one. What do you think of him teaming with someone like Lance Archer for World Tag League? Uh, no, I mean I could see him. I think him teaming up with Tamatonga might be good. I could see that working. And I don't think he's had a lackluster G one. I think it's going to get better from here. But yeah, I, I would like to see him in World Tag League. I think with one of his brothers, that would be cool. Uh, yeah, Tamatonga would be my pick. I think they would have good, good chemistry there. Uh, Louis also says Gabe versus Kaito match was forecasted how brutal it would be during the G1 press conference. Of course, we'll remember Gabe attacking Kaito during that. He also attacked Yota Suji, so that's one to keep your eye on. I think the Gabe versus Suji match is going to be very, very big. Uh, and when Gabe went hard after Kaito, how important do you guys think it is to watch press conferences and post-match interviews? Yeah, I think it's really important. I always try to make time for that because I'd say the press, conf- the, the press conferences before tournaments are compulsory viewing. The post-match stuff, there's always nuggets in there. I never regret watching them. It's just 20 minutes. You put it on a double speed, you'll get everything you need and there'll be some little seeds planted to get you excited for future matches or you know the next round of matches. So yeah, I would say they are important to watch. Um, any yeah. strong feelings on either of those topics? No, I mean, I, I definitely think 
it's something that people should watch because you're right. There are always seems to be little nuggets or little breadcrumbs that lead you in a direction of, okay, where's this guy going? Um, am I as, you know, do I follow through with that train of thought? Eh, probably not. Probably not as much as I should, but yeah, I think it's definitely worthwhile. Let's move on to B block then. So we got uh, on the top, we, Will Ospreay, who has wins over Great Khan and Kazuchika Okada. Um, I thought those matches were both really good. The Okada match, again, that should have been a match of the year candidate, but I feel maybe condensing that into the 20 minutes might not have done them any favours there because it just came across to me just a little bit then playing the greatest hits, a bit generic. Like if I'd sort of said, Close your eyes and imagine a 20-minute Osprey Okada match, then that's pretty much what we got. I don't think it was more than the sum of its parts. It was very good, but is there anything I'm going to remember about it? Probably not. And I think that there's a multiverse ace asked a question here. How surprised are you that Will got his clean win over Okada in the middle of the G1? And Thank you. A bigger event like Wrestle Kingdom or the G1 final. Should we see this as New Japan giving Will this win now because they believe he won't be with the company full-time next year? And yeah, him getting that big moment in front of 2,000 fans in the yeah. middle of a G1 tour was a, a bit of an eyebrow raise for me. And honestly, that and all the stuff that's happened this year with him, I'm not as interested or invested in him as I was at the start of the year, as, as I was coming out the back of Wrestle Kingdom. He just feels a bit disconnected from New Japan. The United Empire, I feel a bit disconnected, disunited, if you'll excuse the pun. You know, if we're saying that he's he's completed his story he's finished his story he's beaten Omega he's beaten Okada what's what is there left for him so I do again I don't have any intel on this there's no you know no pastrami here or anything but um it is making me wonder about his long-term future with the company and you know what has he got left to do I think maybe going forward if he is going to be heading to AEW or, or whatever then let's um build up to you know he, he mentioned the three musketeers maybe build up to Wrestle Kingdom match against Shota, put Shota over for the US title, and then off you go. I hope he does stay, because he's one of the best wrestlers in the world, and I think he's been one of the best wrestlers in this tournament. But I'm just I'm getting vibes that we might be approaching the end here. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. 
You get a display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the Slap Pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great Slap Packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club Slap Packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network what's going on guys this is rich from the flagship podcast here on the voices of wrestling podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three-in-one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking and remote control with the 2K clear sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service. Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the UV video lock. 
I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with Eufy Video Lock, search Eufy Video Lock. That is E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Again, that's Eufy Video Lock. E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. I mean, there's always a possibility of that. I think New Japan always has that over their heads. Um, Exactly right. When, who who was it that said that? uh, The idea of, you know, we're always touting and we're always talking about, and not only us, but other uh, people when they... respected people when they talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, of how, oh, you know, and again, I'll use Osprey and Okada as an example. You know, Osprey comes in, he's a junior. Uh, him and uh, Okada are pals. He, uh, Will starts to slowly move up into heavyweights, turns on Okada. Uh, now they're having, you know, matches that, Will just can't win. He can't get past that fucking level. And boy, when that happens, you know, this this long-term storytelling uh, is going to pay off when Will finally gets that win. And, oh, that's going to be a magical moment for New Japan. And it's, it, 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 what was it, night seven, night six? Uh, you know, like it is, while it was, I thought it was a very good match. I thought it was a very good match. Um, I thought it was exciting. I thought there was tension. I thought there was drama. Yes. I, do I think that that's the, the best that they have now? I mean, I think that there was, maybe it was the time limit. Maybe it was whatever. Um, it wasn't the best, but I thought, I still thought the match was fucking great. Boy, oh boy. What a, uh, like, what a disappointment. You know what I mean? Like, what a disappointment it is to have that. The know what it was for me. It was the realization that somehow, somewhere, we, as and I say we, I mean New Japan and New Japan fans and New Japan followers, we have lost that element of building the story to a perfect crescendo, right? Because to me, to have that build and to have that story and to have that uh, always in your back pocket to know that when the time is right, you can drop that and it would be a magical moment. It was a win. And it was a win in a tournament that w- that's important but it wasn't a final it wasn't a it, I, it just i find it amazing how they dropped the ball on that i i really do i find i i'm dumbfounded by the idea of having will just win that match and again it was a hard fought battle blah 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 i get it but what the what, what, what? the and again the idea of 
this thing that New Japan is so good at, and yet you have instances recently you see this. And I know we talk about change a lot, and we talk about how uh, New Japan is able to make new stars, and and, and you know it's we're we have to do that, and the, the difficulty in doing that, and all that. At the end of the day, not only has the in-ring product been a, a, a bit of flux, uh, we lost something with with booking. We've lost something with. F- finding ways to make people care and and you had something that was so right there and you've been building for it for years and to just let it go there which raises the antenna of okay is this is this kind of like will swan song right we're not going to build him up too big right we'll, we'll give him the win but you know we're going to kind of Keep it undercover. Um, and what more does he have at, in New Japan? I mean, the big boy belt, I guess, is 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 the first thing that comes to mind. But I mean, is does he is that is that worth it in the end? Um, and going to AEW would, I hate to say it, it would make him more of a star than he is right now. Um. So, is he going? I don't think so. I don't. I really don't. But uh, I don't know. There's a lot of things that are that are in line for it to happen. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of reminded of the Okada Omega feud series where Okada won the first one, then they had the time limit draw. And then Kenny got his first win over Okada in the G1 with that 30-minute time limit. And then piggybacked that the following year. Then he got his big win over Okada in the best two out of three falls match. But winning in that end-of-block decider felt... And that was at Sumo Hall. You know, that was in front of a, right. a big crowd, if I'm not mistaken. So that, I don't think, is a direct comparison. I think just the way it was buried in the middle of this tour was quite odd yeah Yeah. i mean would you agree that the booking has gotten just and and even the idea of like we had somebody uh talk to us uh recently about how it felt uh like that the idea of 2023 being uh this chaotic and anything can happen and fucking we're going to throw shit against the wall and hope it sticks. I don't think that I don't think we've necessarily have seen that a lot with this G one. No, uh, you know my original prediction. Who's what's my prediction for the final four? It was like Okada, Naito, Osprey, and I think I might have said David Finlay. So that was very conservative predicting on my part. But I feel the, the deeper we get in this tournament, the more I feel. That, that may turn out to be accurate. Yeah, but, um, yeah we'll, we'll see on that. Um, so other guys in B-Block. Okada, really good match against Yoshihashi. Osprey match is very good as well. There's, you know, it's good he's got Okada. What, what else can I say about him? I think there's more interesting conversations to have about other people. Taichi's sitting on six points. 
lost to Kenta, beat Yoshihashi. I thought the Yoshihashi match was fantastic. And I think these two guys, Taichi and Yoshihashi, actually, who are kind of, you know, they're not young by any means. I don't want to say like, oh, they're the next generation of the sort of Ishii or Goto, you know, hard-hitting. They, they, they do feel like the the modern-day exponents of that never-style match that we all love, where they're always giving it 100% and beat the snot out of each other. So I really enjoyed that Tai Chi-Yoshihashi match. It's sort of a celebration of both of them and how far that they've come. And I feel that there's quite a lot of similarities between Tai Chi and Yoshihashi. Yeah. And I think very valuable guys to have in tournaments like this. So those are guys who, you know, if we're going back down to 20... They are very, very valuable guys. I would, I would, I would have Yoshihashi within that twenty. Taichi, absolutely as well. Yep, without question, without question. Um, Taichi, once again. Uh, did you like the Kenta match? I thought the Kenta match was okay. Uh, yeah, I thought it was. That sort of hit the shenanigans sweet spot for me. Mm-hmm. Like Kenta ripping off Taichi's trousers. I liked him hitting Taichi's knee with the Defy title. That was creative. And you know, Kenta, I've poured a lot of scorn on, but I think in his previous two matches against Taichi and Eobi, and the one before that, which, you know, we gave him his flowers against Osprey, he seems to have hit a, a, a sweet spot there that he is playing to his strengths and not completely phoning it in. The matches are not dog shit we got at the start of the tournament. I thought the ELP match was... It was a big brawl, you know, it was very spotty, but it, it served its purpose, I thought. And I thought both guys worked really hard, and I thought Kenta worked hard to help put ELP over in the end. So I think, yeah, Kenta's previous two matches, I'm, I'm giving him a thumbs up. I'm going to eat a bit of crow, because he's a guy who I would have said definitely chop him. And again, if we go back down to 20, I'd still say chop him. But I think in his previous three matches, he's turned things around and has been more enjoyable to watch. Yeah, right. And I think... You know, when you get those type of matches, they, they, you know, I'm not saying that they're super special, but they, uh, I guess, I guess you appreciate the fact that he was once this guy, right? Um, and you may not have him all the time, but every once in a blue moon, we'll, we'll see that. Uh, yeah, I think Yoshihashi's been great. Um, Tai Chi. I particularly like the, the Okada match with Yoshihashi that he'd scouted all of Okada's moves. Like he counted the Rainmaker about ten times in that match, and that was great. Like you know, these are chaos stable mates who should know each other very well. But that I found that really compelling little narrative within the match. Yeah, he, um, you know, a, a guy that, that's a hard spot too if you think about it. Um, Yoshihashi. Um, I mean, he's in a block that you know that's a tough block. A B block's a tough block, you know. You know, kayfabe and not right. Osprey, Okada, like it, it's hard to get past though that those two, let alone, you know, Kenta and um, even like a guy like El Fantasmo, who you would think that they had, you know, decent plans for. Uh, but yeah, I think they they have been solid. Um, Speaking of El Fantasmo at four, um, what are we doing here? <laughs> what, what are we doing here with with El Fantasmo? Are, are, we, are we waiting for the end with, against Osprey? Is that is 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 that what this whole tournament is? Well, it's classic ghetto booking. He's got he went on the losing streak, lost his first three matches, and now he's won his previous two. So 
He beat Tang Loa in a match that I thought was pretty good, actually. My, my expectations for Tang Loa were in the gutter. Tang Loa, he's improving. I thought he was a good base for ELP and all his high-flying stuff in that match. So I thought he looked good then. And, yeah, he had a really intense brawl against Kenta and took a lot of really nasty shots with that kendo stick and showed pictures of his back afterwards. So this is the classic thing of him eating shit in his first three matches, but then turning it around and having the big comeback. He He's working really, really hard to win over the crowd, you know, doing stuff like diving off the balcony. And I think he does have a really great babyface connection with the crowd. I've seen a lot of people saying that he's got no energy or no heat as a babyface. I think that's just inaccurate because I think the crowd are really responding to him. Now, does it? Ha- what does this mean long-term for him and, and the block? You know, I think we are... Who's he got next? Let's see. He's got Taichi. I think he'll win that. And he's got Osprey at the end. So he does have a sh- chance of going through. Do I see him I beating Will Osprey and getting through? No. I don't. But I, I could see value in him going really, really close and just, you know, just being a whisker away from victory and getting caught out at the end there. And yeah, I could see there being some upside in that. But I think I think he's having a good tournament, El Fantasma. Can we fantasy book for a second? Let's do it. You know, we really haven't seen a lot of interaction between El Fantasmo and Bullet Club when it comes to just the the animosity and the the, the you know the breakup and the separation and and El De- and uh, El Desperado, El Fantasmo uh, getting booted. Do you think having some type of Bullet Club? interference uh participation in that match will happen or not against will elp versus will no no. i don't i do think there is an upcoming match where there may very well be bullet club interference and i'll tell you what that is i think that will be gabe kid against sanada i think there might be some angle going forward where Sanada would be facing the runner-up in C-Block, which could very well be David Finlay. So there might be some kind of angle where all the Bullet Club war dogs get the jump on Sanada during the Gabe Kid match and try to weaken him, mm. rough him up, uh, injure him for the quarterfinals going forward, which may even allow Gabe Kid to get a, a, a screwy win over Sanada because I just you know Sanada's got five wins out of five so far. So yeah. he's already won the block. That so, would yeah. be one. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. But if I'm if I had to pick one match that I think is going to have Bullet Club involvement, it would be that one for yeah. ELP Osprey. No, no, there's I wouldn't see any reason for there to be Bullet Club involvement there. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, Sonata's already won Block A, right? That's, he's already banged that. He can afford a loss, and the only two that he has coming up is Gabe and Chase. I mean, he's beaten Chase, but Gabe, I mean, at the very least, there could be something there because, again, of anybody who can afford a, a loss at Sonata, he's already he's already locked it up. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. That would also keep Gabe in contention. Right. Which would allow Gabe versus Suji to mean have Suji spoiling Gabe. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, that makes some sense, right? I think, right? All right. 
I know we're all over the place uh, with B. I, but I mean, all right, we can continue on with B if you want. Go ahead. Yeah, this, the only guy I want to talk about in B is Great Khan, who's eliminated. He's got two points, <laughs> lost to Will Ospreay. Very good match. That's when I was saying to everyone, oh, you know, pay attention to that one. He, he's going to get a win over Ospreay in future United Empire leader. <laughs> nope. Uh, and they went and com- compounded that by losing to fucking Tangaloa. So, like, <sighs> he... He needed a win over Okada or Osprey in this tournament for his credibility, and he got nine of those. He cheated, and he still lost. He is doing, you know, he's tapping into heelish things like using chairs and using mist, but he's still losing. So my fear of him taking over United Empire with a big win over Osprey is in the bin. But he does look like a geek. However, there have been other wrestlers that have said that about. Think about Sanada at the start of the year when he was jobbing to Manabu Soya in the the, uh, the Noah crossover show. And we talked about that, like, oh my God, what the fuck? Was he, Sanada pissed off? This guy's in the absolute toilet. But that was all part of the, you know, quite often in New Japan, we do see guys go on the losing streak and then they'll turn it around. And very rarely do, do we get the losing streak thing and that's it. They're just a jobber. It doesn't happen like that. So... Maybe this is just me huffing the copium, <laughs> but uh, I do feel that there there is some kind of turnaround for Great Okan. I don't know if it's in this G1. He's got Yoshihashi and Taichi next. You know, if it is, oh, he manages to beat Taichi and gets a chance at KOPW, that's, sorry, that's not good enough. Like, we need something big for Okan to redeem the, in kayfabe, absolute stinker of a tournament he's having so far. He's had, a, give, me, give me the highlight for him. Give me the, I mean, any big match he's he's been pinned. Any even medium match he's been pinned. This tournament has been a, a total of two fucking points. Um, like you know, think about the people who have two points. You know, and he's in that mix as of right now. Uh, he's never had that moment. And how long have we been doing this? Like it's it's. We've had great Okan in our back pocket for a for a decent amount. So if they were going to do something with him, wouldn't they have figured that out? Wouldn't they have at least started that by now? Because now you're right. He is presented as fucking, you know, jabroni. Uh, and, and now people are starting to catch on to that of, okay, you know, well, I guess they're not going to do anything with this guy because he's, you know, you lose too often, especially when you start back. It's like, I don't, I don't like to condition people that he's a, that he's a, a, a presence and a monster and a, and, and somebody to, to look out for, I think would be easier than having him on this path that he has been on for the past year or two and then re-educate people that, oh, he turned the corner. What? what? Now now we have the, the people are getting, are, have formed an opinion of him that he is just fucking mid to lower mid card at best. Why? 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 Now you got to convince people that he's not? What the fuck? 
it is a, it's a deliberate choice, them having him eliminated and he's still got two matches left. That is, that's not something that's happened by accident. And I don't know, I don't know what the reason is. I don't know if this is them just seeing guys like, you know, Shota and Gay Kid and Yota Suji thinking, you know, the, these are guys that are worth investing in. Maybe they don't think Great Okan is worth investing anymore. I don't know. Again, I'm, the optimist in me is leading towards this being a storytelling device. And we, I think we need to sort of check in on this later in the year because I don't think in the slap bang in the middle of a G1 is a good time to be making sweeping judgments. And I know we have to do it for the podcast, but yeah, the, the booking has been weird to say the least. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally, I don't think he doesn't have it. Like, I, I, I think he could be somebody important in this company, but you know, when, 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 when has that happened? Every, even in a tag situation, how many times have we been like, come on, corner on the cob, come on, you know, I, I mean, how great would it be for them? And, and at best, they have a cup of coffee, they, they lose, you know, big match. It, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and I just find it very glaring, very glaring. Two points, and he's the only one with two points in that beat block. Just saying. Yeah, for sure. Um, Tarzan Boy says, question is whether you could in good conscience allow Tama and Tangaloa into another G1. No. I'd rather have a filthy Tom, representative junior like Hiromu Despi, or give Lance another go, because specifically those two's matches are a struggle this G1. I mean, Tama Tonga will come up to Tangaloa. I think, yeah, it, it's um, he's improving, but he's still not good. It's still not the, what I would say is the the benchmark for being in a grade one climax. And he's not the only person I would say that about, but no, I think putting him in to the G1 after coming back from a long-term injury was a daft thing to do. And, and I stand by that, even though he is getting better to his credit and he's working hard and so on and so forth. But yeah, that's B block. Um, yeah, C block. We've got David Finley at the top here. He's got eight points. So he lost to Tamatonga in a pretty exciting match. I thought that was a good one. Uh, and he beat Hanare today. So he's still on top of the block, and I still think he's going to go through. Um, his matches, they're not blown anyone away so far. I thought the Tamatonga match was a lot of fun and had the sort of energy that you would expect from a, a, a dynamic Korakuen Hall uh, highly promoted match. What was it? Was it the semi-main event? I can't even remember, actually, um, with Tamat sneaking the win there. But again, with David Finley, we're still missing that match that will shut up the doubters because, you know, he is... Bonnet Club leader, he's going to be judged against people like Prince Devitt, AJ Styles, Kenny Omega, Jay White. And he needs that consensus match under his belt where people say, yes, this guy is a great wrestler. Hopefully that will come if he makes it out into the quarterfinals or semifinals, which I think he will. And again, my predictive path for him is to beat Sanada in the quarterfinals and then face Okada in the semis. And if he makes it that deep, if he's in a G1 semi-final, he, he's got to deliver them. Yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff so far has been character-driven stuff. I'm fine. Yeah, he's a heel. I expect him to be working heelish. So I'm not saying, I'm not declaring him a fraud already just yet. But Gabe Kidd's been as good as he is. He's adding an interesting wrinkle to that because a lot of people are looking at Gabe Kidd and thinking, well, this guy should be Bullet Club leader and <laughs> not Finlay. Well, again, I think... You're right, in the sense that 
he needs to have that that match. He needs to have that match that has people wanting and and needing to go out of their way to watch. I hate to say it. Um, you know what? I don't hate to say it, but that's that's really it. And I think once that happens, and I think it can happen, I just don't know if it will happen. Um, it can happen. I have no doubts that it can happen if given the opportunity, right? Uh, but until that time comes, yeah. And, you know, you don't want to kind of compare past and this is a, a different new you now not for nothing if you you there are expectations right you need to be able to deliver not only in where it is on the card because you're going to get the top matches if you're the leader of bullet club or at least you should um so it's 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 that but again, more importantly, it's the fact that there there is discontent within New Japan fandom um, that he's not Kenny Omega, and he's not AJ Styles, and he's not Devitt, and he's not you know you could go through the list. That's that's that that that's a that's a span of history where. The bar has been set. And while character-wise, I dig. I'm in. And I think even more so that it needs time to develop and and grow. And I think he's doing a, an outstanding job. He doesn't have that match yet. And until he has that match, it's going to be tough sledding for a lot of people to get behind this. He's got Shingo next. How important do you think that match is for him? I, I mean, I think every match, every opportunity that he has to be in the ring with 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 guys that have delivered on that scale consistently. I mean that that plays very good in his favor. Let's put it that way. Like if, like if you if I need to have a banger of a fucking match to put on my resume, being in the ring with Shingo is a good fucking start, don't you think? Yeah, I definitely think that's one. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him, I think, to deliver in that one. And I think he has to. I mean, if he has a, a nothing match with Shingo, then people are going to be asking questions. Yep, yep. And then as you go deeper, you know, if you run into, again, I'm just throwing names out, but guys that we know that can deliver, Okadas, Ospreys. You know, if we're running into those guys, Zach, even Naito to a certain degree, um, if we're running into those guys, you know, you got to deliver. This G1 truly is a a state of the union of where we are um, when when it comes to a lot of these guys. And this is a this is a mark. This is this is this is a bar that he needs to cross for him to be taken. Um, to kind of move up the ranks in people's eyes, definitely needs it. 
Uh, we got Evil also on eight points. He's uh, wins over Henare and Ishii. Just you know what you're going to get yeah. with Evil at this Come point. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't really deserve that much analysis. I don't. He, he, again, he's getting booked strongly, but I'm leaning towards him. I'm seeing he's got Shingo on the last night, and I that could be winner goes through. The the possibility of having Evil versus Sonata is always a threat you know that's it's always like ghetto hanging that one above our heads to yeah. to attack us at any point to keep us in line yeah, so we ate our vegetables we, we ate our vegetables we cleaned <laughs> our plate we, we did good yeah. <laughs> uh yeah that's evil i think you know what, what more can i say about him tabatonga he's got seven points so beat finley again i thought i, I like that match a lot I thought it was good energy to it and the shigo match went to a draw which was interesting uh, again decent match um Curious as to why that was the case. You know, maybe it's to make the points work so perhaps Shingo can go through in second place. Maybe it's going to be Shingo Sanada in the quarterfinals, which obviously would be an interesting one given their LIJ history together. Um, and seeing Tamatonga has got Henare on the final night, that could be Henare playing spoiler there. You know, we know they've got history together. That wouldn't shock me. Um, how are we feeling on Tamatonga? Well, I mean, you were right in the sense that He's been in the mix, right? He's seven points. You know, Evil and Finley have eight. He's in the mix. As as much as people are, are swimming against the tide here, he's in the mix once again. Seven points. Um, he's been all right. Look, am I the biggest Tamatanga guy? No, I'm not. But he's been fine. He's fine. I, I would I would have no problem having him back, truth be told. Um, is he something that gets me excited? No. No. But um is he a good hand? Yeah, I think so. I think he's I, I think he has value. You'll put it that way. Yeah, and I also think there's more love and enthusiasm from Japanese fans towards him than there is with the Western fans. So that's something worth keeping in mind. Sometimes there is that disconnect there. And every time I've seen Tamo put in one of these big spots, he, he seems to get a lot of love from the fans. So that's worth keeping in mind as well. Uh, Eddie Kingston, he's got six points, lost to Ishii at Korokun Hall, and then beat Mikey Nichols. The Ishii match was fantastic. You know, that was everything we want from Eddie Kingston in New Japan. However, I don't think that match justifies having him in the G1 Climax. If you want to have him wrestle Ishii in Korakuen Hall, just book him in a singles match against Ishii in Korakuen Hall. There's plenty of opportunities to do that. Um, I just, I think his G1 is playing out pretty much how I expected it to, where that's the high point. And looking ahead, he's got Tamatonga, he's got David Finlay. I, I think his best match is behind him. So it's just as long as he can not get hurt and acquit himself well in those final two matches, fine. And, and to be honest, I do think Ishii did a lot of the heavy lifting towards the end of that match where Eddie just looked like he was dead on his feet, which again, added to the drama. That enhanced my enjoyment of the match because you could see that he was just sucking on wind at, at the end of that, as you might expect in such an intense physical match. Uh, but yeah, Eddie Kingston, a guy who thrives on having you know, promos and blood feuds with guys. And, and I don't think the G1 is showcasing his strengths. I'm, I hope he's enjoying it. I'm glad he's ticked that off his bucket list, but uh, it's not been anything to write home about in terms of in-ring quality, uh, aside from the Ishii match. Ishii match was great, right? I mean, that was everything that you kind of want 
in in that type of match. Like when you book that match and you see that on paper, that's kind of what you you're looking for. And and they delivered tenfold. I thought. Um, it, look, he is adored because he is every man. You know, like he is he is every man and he looks like every man right he doesn't look like someone who you know who's a, a, he's certainly not a body guy um he's not like he's not going to give you the craziest uh will osprey esque moves with a z or kenny or stuff like that like that's not him um he's going to take crazy bumps and he's going to Take and receive, take and receive, it's the same thing. Uh, he's going to deliver and receive hard, physical chops, punches, etc. And he does a fantastic job of getting people emotionally invested. I think that might be his greatest skill in a in a in a in a match where he can be that punching bag and he can be the guy that just takes a fucking beating and still have that. Okay. You're not going to keep me the fuck down and you're not going to, you know, I might be getting my ass kicked, but I'm going to, I'm going to take five to deliver one. And that one is going to be a doozy. Um, so there's a lot to like about him. Like, you know, there's a, there's a lot to root for with him and you're right. Uh, it, that he's able to check this off his bucket list. Uh, a guy that maybe four years ago, pff, the idea of him even being in Japan wrestling, let alone G1, would be, would have been preposterous. But yet, here we are, and that's good for him. That that is a fantastic feel good kind of thing. Is he a guy that I would put in G1 again? Maybe, maybe. I don't think he's been as like like everything that I talked about. I don't think has outstayed its welcome. Like I I have no problem watching it now until the end of the tournament. But um, yeah, I mean it's you, you know what you're getting. You you know what you're getting. Um, and my fear was that it would run its course, but for me personally, it hasn't yet. He's, I've enjoyed him. Um, I'm not looking for 900 stars from him. Um, but yet, you know, you put him in the ring with the right guy, and it could definitely happen. So uh, I think he's had a very good tournament, and uh, I appreciated him being in it. Well, we've got Shingo Takagi on five points. So he beat Mad Mikey Nichols in a match that... Went a bit weird at the end, but I quite liked it. They, they hit each other really hard, and the Tamatonga draw. So, yeah, Shingo's a guy that I would not rule out of going through to the quarterfinals. I think there is value in a potential quarterfinal with him against Sanada. But, oh, yeah, Shingo, Shingo. There's not a huge amount to say about him. A guy you can always rely on to deliver at a certain level of quality in these sorts of tournaments. Uh, Mikey Nichols... Two points, so he lost to Shingo, lost to Eddie Kingston. I, I appreciate the energy and enthusiasm that Mikey has brought and the sort of borderline <laughs> psychotic edge in a lot of his matches. He's gone hard in, in these, and uh, I think that's won over a lot of fans. I don't think it's necessarily 
with a view to him going on a big singles run. But I think he and Shane Haste have added a lot of value to them as a tag team because certainly I am more interested in TMDK as a tag team moving forward as a result of both of their singles performances in, in this G1, even if the results don't necessarily reflect that. Uh, Hinare, do you want me to stop? Anything you want to say about Shingo and Mikey? Uh, no, I mean, I would just be echoing your same thoughts. Uh, Mikey's been, sure. been, you know, very, very uh, hardworking and, uh, like he's been an asset to to the tournament, I think. But I think the biggest challenge is the fact that you know it's like like if I, I I hate to say it, but if if we're talking about G one being watered down, I mean you kind of start in there, right? Yeah, I mean the the opening match he had with Henry was so good that he he's getting a pass for me. Yeah, if we're chopping guys off, he sort of lifted himself above the relegation zone. But it depends how big your relegation zone is. Again, if we go to 20, no chance Mikey's making the cut. But, I, you know, but my minimum is that I want to see guys working hard. And he is working hard. So Absolutely. for that, I'll give him a pat on the back and say, well done. Yep. Uh, and I would also say that to Henare, him only having two points, that's a bit of a disappointment. He's lost to Evil, lost to Finlay. I'm sure he is banged up and hurting not least because of that Mikey Nichols match. I've seen him get in the cupping, so obviously he is struggling with that and must be in a lot of pain, and he's you know doing his best to tough that out. I'm very excited for his Ishii match. He's got that coming up next. Um, would have been good to see that in a better venue, like have that in Korakuen or in Osaka. That would have been a lot better. But either way, regardless of the crowd, I'm sure that's going to be a banger, as they say. And, and the Tamatonga match, I'm interested in that one as well. As I said, their history uh, and also the fact that he could be playing spoiler for Tamatonga, um, and that you know may lead to something going forward. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I've appreciated Hanari's work. Uh, Ishii also two points. He beat Eddie Kingston and lost to Evil. He's great. I mean, we know what Ishii can do in tournaments like this, and there's a lot of value to him. But I do wonder if his G1 days are numbered. Would not shock me to see him not included in, you know, even if it was as early as next year. Do I think that will be the correct move? Probably not. And I know people, it's become sort of fashionable to scoff at Ishii and how one note his matches are, but I still think he brings a a tremendous amount of value to tournaments like this. So regardless of your feelings on him and your enjoyment of his particular match formula, um, you can't fault the work rate and the effort and the drama that it brings. There's always, yeah. you know, tremendous amount of crowd energy when he's having those matches. So, um, yeah, Hanare, Ishii, good stuff. You know, despite the fact that they've only got two points each, um, they, I think, are valuable to the G1 field. Yeah, I think, you know, the breakout has been Hanare, and I think people are are connecting with him and, and seeing what he can deliver and, I think he's take, making the most of the opportunity. Two points is disappointing, but I mean, you would you, you would have thought that it would have been more. But uh, two is where is that? But I think he's he's been the breakout for this tournament. Like he's been the guy that people have now, you know, found a way to connect with. Um, and 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 you can't doubt you can't fault him for not putting a thousand percent into what he's doing um, from from the presentation to the 
um, match quality, and the fact that, let's be truthful here, his neck is fucked. It is fucked up. And that was night one, right? That was night one. So you got to tip your cap to him because you know he's he's really feeling it. Um, and, and, and Ishii, again, he's not 20 years old. He's been doing this for years. And it's consistent. It's consistently great. And here's the thing, too, with Ishii. You know, you watch that fucking Eddie Kingston match at Corkin. And again, packed house. And it's Corkin. They're diehard wrestling fans. We get it. Uh, the smart, the one thing I could not get out of my head was watching the crowd. And th- this was one of the first times that you see people clapping, stomping their feet, and smiling from ear to ear just at the joy of what they were watching. And Ishii seems to do that consistently. Um, I would not take him out unless he wanted to be out. But you know him. He's a maniac. He'll stay in until he's 73. Um, And he definitely brings value. He may not win, but he's going to be a tough bridge to cross. And that's what you know, from from a from a G one perspective, that's that's more than fine. You need that, but as a, you know, you're going to get fucking Ishi in the right spots, delivered magic. Keep him in, keep him in as long as he wants. He's earned it, and you know what? He's he has earned it. And here's the thing too. I know we're going to get to the block, but you compare Ishi and the beatings he has taken over the years, right? And compare him to some of the other guys that are in his age class, you know. And we'll talk about a lot of them in D and D block. Uh, it's amazing how, and, and maybe he just fucking turns into a monster when he leaves the curtain. You know, he goes past the curtain. He might not be able to move around very much outside of that, but he doesn't look that banged up as compared to others. And that's crazy to me, considering what he has put his body through. Yeah, it's not like you can say he's visibly slowing down or falling apart like other other of his peers. So, yeah, I agree with you. As long as he can keep doing it at that level, keep him in. So, yeah, I'm, I'm yep. a fan. Enjoyed it. Um, all right, D-block then. We've got Jeff Cobb at the top. He's got eight points. He beat Zack Sabre Jr. in, I thought that was a, a really thrilling main event at Korakun Hall. And I thought he his match against Yano, so he lost Yano. I thought that was a lot of fun as well. They kept it short and sweet. I enjoyed the spot of him chugging the beer and going for the standing moonsault and then hitting the knees and spraying the beer everywhere. That was a lot of fun. So Jeff Cobb, I think, has been my favourite wrestler in D-Block. He, wow. Uh, yeah, I, I've just really enjoyed him. I thought he's been working hard and all his matches have been really exciting and, and he's really good. Uh, and I've said before that it's a shame he got his big push during the pandemic because he deserves a run in front of the crowds. And maybe this is it. I'm, I'm more sort of leaning towards him being the guy that gets booked strongly out of the gate and then his momentum fizzles out. Uh, I could see him not making out of the blocks, but I kind of hope he does at this rate because I think he's been very, very good. Jeff Cobb. Um, so let's do it in pairs again. Uh, Zach Sabre Jr. also eight points. Again, love the Cobb match. I thought it was very fitting that finally Cobb got the win over him after their series that they've had with the TV title. And I thought his match with Shane Hayes today 
was also very good. Um, obviously, they are teammates, so um, I knew he was going to work hard to make Shane Hayes look good, uh, and he did that. So uh, Jeff Cobb, Zack Sabre Jr., good, good at this old pro wrestling thing. Yeah, um, and I like uh, Jeff Cobb's chances coming up because he's what has he got? Goto and Shane Hayes, right? Um, I mean, I could definitely see him winning both those matches. Uh, and then Zach has Naito and Goto, which, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him losing at least one of them, right? So, uh, yeah, I, I would say Jeff might be a guy to keep an eye on. Um, I like both of them. I, th- I think both of them have had very good tournaments, and not for nothing, they always do. Right, they always do, and if and if and if this is a Jeff Cobb coming out party, then I'm I'm there for it because he you're right he he does I don't want to say deserve it, but he's earned it. We got Tetsuya Naito on six points, so he quite shockingly lost to Shane Haste in a match that I thought was very very good, and then beat Alex Coughlin. Bit of a nothing match this one, uh, so yeah, he's on six points. He's got Zach next, which I, I think is a must win for him. Uh, I'm still optimistic that he is going through. Uh, but, yeah, he has not looked at his absolute best in this tournament. He is a guy who I think if you compare his output to last year, it's a step below. And last year he was being called upon to deliver in some very high-profile spots. And there was a series with Okada and the series with Will Ospreay. Um, so I forgive him for not going at that same intensity. But all the same, is a guy that I'm side-eyeing. I'm not on the sort of Naito is washed camp because I still think he's one of the best wrestlers in the company. Um, but I'm curious as to, is this another situation where my love for Naito is not going to match with the booking plans for Naito? Um, mm. So that's one to keep an eye going forward. But again, I thought the Shane Hayes match was really great and Naito was very, very good in that one. Uh, Tanahashi, also on six points, beat Yano, beat Goto. <sighs> Go ahead. Actually, he, mm, we should be. You need to be drawing a, things to a close with him and G ones. I think we need to be having a serious think about whether he's entering next year, and then if he is entering next year whether that's going to be his last one. I think it should be. I think that will be the smart thing to do next year to bill it as Tanahashi's final G1. Milk that for a bit of money. I was just watching the main event today between Tanahashi and Goto. And, you know, both of them are banged up. Goto's hurt. Tanahashi's not falling apart, but, you know, he's, he's falling clearly... Apart. And I was just saying, why is, why is this the main event? What are we doing with <laughs> broken down Tanahashi and broken down Goto? being the main event. And the match was okay. I mean, there was nothing wrong with it, but it just, it was kind of emblematic of D-Block and my lack of interest in it because it feels like these matches we've seen a million times before, but when we saw them before, they were better because they were with the same guys, but when they weren't all busted up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, D-Block has a lot of the star power of, you know, the guys that, Everyone kind of associates with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Naito, Goto, Tanahashi, um, even Yano to a certain degree. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a block that 
depresses me <laughs> really because it's like okay like i gotta consistently watch guys that at one point were the best in the world and they're not anymore they're not um and again they all have the mental uh wherewithal to have a great match it's just that the body is not cooperating with with a lot of them and it's sad to see but it's it is a part of pro wrestling um and especially working the style that they did for as long as they did he, tanahashi physically looks two steps behind he can't even run like whipping him into the turnbuckle uh, i just i cringe because he is walking into the turnbuckle he's andre the fucking gianting into the turnbuckle um he's andre the giant pandering into the turnbuckle <laughs> yes yes like it's just and then and then you know now the thing is, uh, don't hit the high fly flow because we we don't need it. And you know he's going to go up to the rope and struggle and get up there. And I don't know. Look, it's to me, it's I I understand why he's there. He's Hiroshi Tanahashi. He's he's ace, but uh. And he's still alive. There's still a chance of him to go through, David. This is the wild thing. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's got Coglin Naito next. He's he, he's he's definitely gonna he's absolutely gonna get like a two minute you know inside cradle win over Coglin, and that match with Naito on the final night is gonna be him with a serious chance of going through. Yeah, yeah, and Naito, not for nothing. I feel like he's lost two steps. Like I just like he, there is a drop off there that is. pretty significant pretty significant and with all the you know all the physical stuff that he has from you know the eye to the knees to you know i i feel like with more so with tanahashi but with naito it's like i feel like we're on borrowed time and that's weird i can't say it's weird to me but it's you know, you look at like Yuji Nagata, or it feels like they all had uh, better late year. And I'm talking physically, the, the better off. Tens on aside, tens on can't even fucking move his ankle at this point. Um, but but you know, if I think about it, they're. They're close to the same ages as when we were talking about the dads, you know, ruling the roost. It's time. Father time. Father time, Joel. What a depressing block this is to talk about. Um, okay, yeah, we Doug got as well. Uh, Shane Haste on four points. Yeah, really terrific match against Naito. Um was not necessarily expecting that from him, certainly not the result. Uh, and I thought he performed really well in his defeat to Zach. Uh, very much like Mikey, I think he these performances have enhanced my investment in a TMDK 
tag title challenge, not necessarily singles runs for both guys. Although he is a very talented singles wrestler. I just think that those days have passed him by. And I, I don't think there's an opportunity for him to go on a singles run in New Japan. But um, tag stuff, definitely interested in, especially with Aussie Open leaving. I think there is a, a lot of goodwill in the fan base towards TMDK that they should capitalise on. Um, so I think it's worth going back to that well and seeing what we've got with the G1 behind them and with the, an increased connection to the fan base. Um, Alex Coglin on two points. He defeated Goto, well, injured Goto, and then lost to Naito in a bit of a nothing match. He's He's been all right. It's been a, a little bit of a disappointment. I think he's not quite the, the, the polished article in terms of singles wrestling. I think it's good for him that he's in the tag program primarily at this point in his career. I think he's a clear few steps below Gabe Kidd in terms of his, his wrestling work. But uh, he'll get there because, you know, relatively speaking, compared to a lot of these guys, he's, he's still a rookie. So um, he's got time on his side. And I think, you know, he's got the look and I thought the promos have been fantastic. So hopefully the, the ring work will follow in time. And yeah, Yano, two points. Yeah, he's been all right, actually. I yeah. haven't hated his stuff as much as I have in previous years. So he's he's come up with some new newer material, some stuff that has been genuinely quite entertaining. So I'll, I'll tip my hat to Yano. What do you? What does that say about the block? <laughs> that Yano is, is like, <laughs> all right, it's not that bad. <laughs> you know, it's, maybe we were wrong about Yano. <laughs> you know, what does that say? Speaks for volumes. And, you know, Coglin, you know, he can always go back to being the android. So he's got it made in the show. He's fine. <laughs> android. Remember that? Remember that for two just weeks? Need, he's a software update. Yeah. He, just, he needs to go to Linux. He needs to go to Kali Linux. <laughs> All right. Very good. All right. Well, that's it. Um, we will hopefully be speaking to you again on Thursday after the next two shows where we'll have a clearer picture on the final nights. So uh, do I have... Anything else? Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, uh, Imring Art says over under four remaining G1s for Tana, 1.5. Uh, for Joel, my almost 12 year old son is becoming an Arsenal fan. How big is them getting Declan Rice? Yeah, it is big. He's future captain of the club, future England captain, very well could be. So he is definitely a, a statement of intent for Arsenal. The fact that we spent over 100 million pounds on him is insane, quite frankly. But he's, he's the guy that's been identified to. Uh, fill in that granite shaka shaped gap in our midfield now that he's gone to Leverkusen. So I think it's going to be an exciting year ahead for us. I think just for, for what it represented, just as much as the actual acquisition of the player himself. Um, but yeah, over on the remaining G1s for Tana, 1.5. Oh, I'd say over that, man. We get, really? Let's just have one more. You think he's going to do more? Yeah. If it was up to me, it would be under, but probably going to be over by, yeah. by a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be over. I know. Ten years from now, we're like, why is this motherfucker still in <laughs> G1? Uh, yeah, it, uh, I'm going over. Kona uh, Bluetooth, what's the story with Fale? I don't remember him ever missing a G1. Is he injured, retired, or has he entered Tenzan territory? He hasn't had an impressive singles match in ages, so I get it, but I don't think he's wrestled since December. I think he's primarily interested in doing his stuff with the dojo. I think he's doing valuable work over there. So I think his uh, time in New Japan as a, a singles wrestler, at least, is done. Um, you know, you might see him popping up for World Tag League again. Was he in World Tag League last year? Wasn't he? I yeah, I, th- I think so, right? Was he? I think so. That's the last Probably. time we saw him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's 
mainly dojo stuff. Although I do enjoy his Instagram account where he does stuff like goes to the shop, buys a roast chicken and a hot dog, and then puts the roast chicken pieces in the hot dog. <laughs> These little things. Because it's quite fun to watch. Even he puts though the chicken in the hot dog? Slightly queasy. Yeah. So he would like peel off a, a big chunk of roast chicken and put it on the hot dog. Oh, all right. That's like, that's, uh, that's, not, that's a combination for sure. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, SM North says, sorry for this long-winded borderline irrelevant question right now. I know you were fed up with speculating about this Bullet Club civil war, but we've just seen a wholesale revamp of Bullet Club prop with various old guards still in the fold, House of Torture, Bullet Club represented an impact, and Bullet Club gold seemingly adding new members in AW. Uh, as Joe Lanza reported, and I'm paraphrasing, the Civil War angle is going to take place over multiple promotions with lots of twists and turns on the way. Are we actually right in the middle of it rather than waiting for Krusty? Um, no, I, d- I don't think the stuff going on at the moment was what Joe mentioned before. I think that Civil War angle has, has been a gone and it was a big wet fart. So, no, I think the stuff that's happening now is uh, several steps past what that original plan was. Yeah, which is which is amazing, <laughs> once again, uh, and the, and uh, you know maybe I'm just going to throw this out here, Joel, as we close with two hours in a podcast. Uh, is it time for Gator to step down? No, no, no. Okay, that's I that. Hit the, the music, Dan. The, <laughs> the, 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 the Musketeers tweet showed me he still got it. Okay, because that's genius. All right, I'll... and an A block. Just look at A block, man. That's that's genius booking. All right, all right. I'm with you. I'll give him a little bit more rope. Yeah. All right, I know, but there's a lot of dropped things. A lot of things that you think were just okay. Uh, somebody who's brain dead could could figure this out. Uh, and it's like, well, and and this Bullet Club Civil Wars is probably top of the list, right? Uh, let's do one more question before we get out of here from our, our good friend Antonio. He says, what type of Brazilian do you and Damon prefer? Do you prefer a skillful one or a goal-scoring one? He specifically says, I want Damon because I know your picks. Uh, what type he prefers? You can only pick two. So do you have two favorite Brazilian football players? Oh, I was I was going to say my favorite Brazilian is about five foot. Very, <laughs> 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 no, very cute. Um, Look, I don't know that much about football. I mean, I don't, but, but I look, I would say that I do prefer in my football player, uh, I do like skill and speed. Like that means a lot because goals are uh, hard to come by, very hard to come by. Um, so anybody who can consistently dazzle, p- push the offense, uh, and make it. Not just this game of of ball possession, but to be uh, creative and skillful in putting the ball in the net. Uh, I can appreciate that a lot. Gabriel Martinelli, he's my favorite Brazilian. He, he's got it all. He's got pace. He's got skill. He's got goals. He is going to be an absolute legend in the future, I'm sure. So... There's a name to remember for the future, Dave. Um, all right, that will do for today. Uh, Redtop.com forward slash show forward slash super dash j dash cast. If you want to show some appreciation by sending us some money, always appreciate it. If you want to join the Discord, uh, don't. 
<laughs> if you really do, then send me a direct <laughs> message on Twitter. Uh, at Cobra Kawi and ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash SuperJCast for our t-shirts. Thanks, as always, to Editor Dan, who's on Twitter at MousyHero219. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling podcast network for other great shows. Oh, and you can also catch me on the episode of The Draft that I did with Chris Samsa and uh, Sean and Griffin, where we all picked our uh, G1 rosters, and mine was the best, even though the, the vote may not necessarily reflect that. Uh, give us a five-state review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at SuperJCast. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye to Asia for Joel. Yeah, bye, Thailand. Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network.